Have you ever thought to examine your attitude to other people of the world? How do you think about those who come from the African nations whose skin color is dark, even black? How do you view people from Asia who have a complexion as sallow or sometimes we describe it as yellow? Do people who make up the ethnic minorities sometimes cause you to be critical and feel yourself very different from them? Those are questions that we need to address. What a variety of people we have in the world. When we travel to different countries, we see different people. People of different skin color, skin tones. People with different languages. People even with a different kind of stature. Perhaps smaller or sometimes bigger than we would normally be here. In Europe we are familiar with our own white people. But the variety of the nations is staggering. It is something, however, that we ought to celebrate. It is something that should cause us to reflect on the message of the gospel and how it should be extended to others. And I would suggest to you that sometimes our attitudes to those who have a different background, a different language, a different skin color, have been far from what has been a good and Christian attitude. There are people, people in Britain, who think that the British are a superior people. The same might be said for some in America. They are, think that they are the white supremacist peoples and that the black or darker colored people are not as good. There are those who think that those who have dark skin, for whatever reason, are just not at the same level. Those attitudes have been imbibed partly because of the theory of evolution, which has put different nations at different places. And the ideas that evolution has brought to us suggest, of course, that we have all been evolved from monkeys, whether it be the gorilla or the chimpanzee or something else. And if you've ever uh, studied or thought much about the evolutionary theory, and that's all it is, you will have noted the picture where you have the six or seven uh, drawings. And it starts, of course, with a monkey. And then the next picture is a wee bit more evolved, a bit more upright, and right through. And what is the last picture? The last picture is usually of an upright white male. Why should that be? And we have imbibed this stuff from evolution that we have all come from animals. And some, because of their darker skin, are not as evolved, not as high as others. And when we look back over our history, the slave trade treated other human beings as a mere commodity, as not being as human. That's why we come today to Genesis chapter 
10. It's not an easy chapter. And you might have wondered how, having read it, I'm going to make anything out of it. But we want to note this chapter. Here is a record of all the nations. Here is a record of the peoples of the world. And here is the family of Noah. Here is a chapter which in one sense is chronologically in the wrong place because it should come somewhere after the next chapter. It is in chapter 11 that we learn about the languages being confused and the people scattered. But what chapter 10 does is record what is going to be told in the next chapters. It is saying, here are the sons of Noah with their many languages scattering abroad into the world and here's their territory. And how did this come about? Chapter 11 and following. But what can we learn from chapter 10? Well, the first thing I want to focus on is this. There is one race. There is one race. Do you believe the Bible to be true and the trustworthy word of God? Well, we do. And that means that when we come to chapter 10, we realize there is but one race. That you and I are brothers and sisters to people from the darkest uh, countries of Africa where their skin color is very black or to those who have more solid complexion in China or India or to those in the southern American countries. We are all one race. The truth of the Bible shows us that we are all descendant from Adam and Eve, and then, have we been dealing with Noah, from Noah and Mrs. Noah, and Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These are our ancestors, and they are also the ancestors of every human being who is alive. And so this chapter sets before us the son, children of Japheth, verses 2 to 5. In verses 6 to 20, the offspring of Ham, and then the offspring of Shem. And at the very end, the conclusion, these are the clans of Noah's sons. And the emphasis is there. We are all descendant from this one couple. These three sons and their wives. Now people today will find it hard to accept as we look out at the world today and we look at the variety of human beings who have descended from Adam and Eve or from Noah and his family. We see different skin color. We see people who are really very, very dark in their skin. We see some who are very pale and white. You may look at us. And there are some with all shades in between. How can we all have come from one set of parents. We may find that really hard to accept. But this is what the Bible is speaking about. We are not to allow our thinking to be influenced by the notions that are proposed by the evolutionists. Sadly, they have colored the way we think. 
They have colored our attitudes to people of different skin color and different language. And let me just say also, while that is true for we who are white, the same goes for those who are dark in color. There are some who are black and they look upon themselves as the superior. They have come from the chimpanzee, the more intelligent uh, uh, animal, and they feel themselves, they're the superior ones. So the argument cuts both ways for both white and black person. People will point to the color of skin and say, how can this be? Well, my understanding of the makeup of our beings and genetics and all of that is extremely limited. But what I have heard, understood is this, that in fact when you look at the science, it is absolutely possible. And in fact, scientists do say that you can trace back all our genes. The difference is so minimal that they say we have all come from, guess what, one set of parents. doesn't matter where you live in the world or what language you speak. We are one race. And in fact, when you begin with the Bible as your textbook and then study science, you find that in fact the science backs up the Word of God. And it shows us this reality. So scripture gives us the answer. We are one race. And the evolutionary theory is only that. It's a theory and it is wrong. And yet so often our thoughts are colored because we look down upon those who perhaps are in a different country, who have a different culture who have a different language and we feel that they're not as well educated or whatever. But that may be there for for many, many reasons. It has nothing to do with their being less human. We are all one. We are related. That means when we look at other peoples, we are not to see them as foreigners or of a different race or of less value. We are to see them just as we should see ourselves. Fallen, sinful men and women. Men and women created by God to worship Him. Yes, we have distinctions now of culture and color and language, but there's still creation, men and women created by God to honor Him. You may not think that what I'm saying is really true, but if you read back uh, some years into history, you will see how some Christians, even Christians, get very concerned when their young people were going out and marrying someone of a different skin color or of a different ethnic origin. In fact, There were steps taken in some places in America and in other places to stop their young people going out or even marrying people who were obviously from a different background because of their skin color. Why should that be? We are all one people, one race. The only matter for any Christian parent for their child growing up and wanting to get married is this. Is 
that person a believer in Jesus Christ. That's the only distinction that matters. If your uh, child, if your young person is a Christian, your only concern is that they would marry in the Lord. That is what the Scripture teaches. To, to do so outside of Christ is to go against Him. And that's the only thing that should occur. It doesn't matter whether they should come from the back end of nowhere. If they're in Christ, that's what matters. For we are one race. So it's amazing to think that in the past, even within some Christian churches, the, the approach was taken, these people are untouchable. No more so than you or me. One race. And as we have these lists of names, we just note uh, that from the Semites, it is from them that came the Jewish race. And that is part of the reason this is here. It is tracing the people who are going to be called out to be God's own people, and their roots are here in the family of Shem. One race. Secondly, a diverse people. What a wonderful world we live in. What a tremendous diversity of people has resulted because of God's hand upon men. And of course it is a result of the spread of people across the world because of a language which is confused. Why? Because of the arrogance, because of the wickedness of men thinking they would be like God. And so after the Tower of Babel, the language was confused and of course that led to difficulties and misunderstanding and people separating out into their language groups. And we know that's true even today. Uh, if people from another country come here and have a language that is not English as their first language, what do they do? They will gravitate towards others who speak their mother language and they will have felt they will they will grab it but why because it's easier because they can be understood because their whole culture is perhaps part of that as well but what a blessing it is to think of the variety and the wonder that we have in the world we read here of the Hamites and among them there's this man, Nimrod, a mighty warrior and a hunter before the Lord. And he builds his kingdom. Here is just an example of what happens. Someone takes on power. They have a strong personality and character. They become the leader. And around him they gather other people of like language and thinking. And as we read of Nimrod, he builds Babylon and Nineveh and these other places and he goes on to build a name for himself. Now that's just one example of how these nations grew and developed and leaders grew up among them and took them perhaps to other places. And out of this, the variety comes. And we've read in verse 15 of Canaan and all those different ites that are there, the different nationalities and we read of these people later because Canaan is mentioned because where is God going to put his people into the land of Canaan? So we come across the Hivites and the uh, 
Canaanites and all these otherites again later in Scripture. But what a breadth and delight it is to see all this variety. And we should rejoice that so God has planned it. Different languages, different territories, different people, and different cultures. And what I want to say is this, that the culture of the people is to be embraced and rejoiced in. may not be the way we do the thing, but to see that these people are human beings. There is nothing intrinsically wrong with a different culture, with the way in which they do things. It may be wrong if they cross the border and deny Jesus as Lord and that becomes part of their cultural thinking. But some of the color and the music, some of the other things that they have embraced, there's nothing wrong with those things as long as they are devoted to Jesus Christ as Lord. And so when we look at the culture, when we, if you have opportunity to be on holiday or perhaps uh, looking on our television, we see the cultural differences in other uh, lands. Rejoice in that. Different foods, different ways of doing things. What a blessing to humankind. What variety. We can think of our own land because it comes down to a local level. It's not just that culture from other places is to be embraced. But we get so hung up in our province about the culture, the other culture. What's wrong with it? Absolutely nothing. Some have something about, perhaps, for example, in our culture, Gaelic sports. And they look at it, oh, we would never, oh, we wouldn't be involved in that. That's somebody else's. What's wrong with it? Just another game whether it be Hurley or Camogie or whatever it may be. It's just another game. We may favor soccer or rugby. There's nothing wrong. It's just part of a different culture. And it can be embraced if someone wants to do so. Where, of course, it becomes wrong is, as with any sport, when it denies Christ. When it denies Christ's day. When it says to people, oh, come on out and play God won't mind. Well, today is given for worship of God. The Lord's day is to be kept holy for Him. And that's where the problem comes. If the cultural aspect of it begins to infringe on God's divine rights, then we have a problem with it. It doesn't matter whether it's some other culture or indeed something in our own. But we see we can embrace Diversity, as long as it is in keeping with the command and the will of God. Here in chapter 10, these people all moved out and we noted references made to the maritime people. And we're not given details of others, but they took up different professions, moved to different areas, developed agriculture and other things in different ways. What a wonderful world we live in and yet we are all one people, one race what a joy it is to look to God however having said all that we all have one common 
need. And the diversity even leads us to see that need because there was friction and tension, partly because of the language. But here are people born into the world, born of Adam, born in the line of Noah. And what are they? They are born in sin. Each person born into the world and into as a human being carries with them the very seed of original sin. We're all sinners. And I would remind you that we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. In other words, the seed of sin is in us from the very moment of conception because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Original sin. Do we ever have to teach our children to do wrong? Not at all. We're always teaching them to do right. We're trying to stop them from getting into the wrong things. Because original sin. They sin because they're sinners. And that is the true, the globe over. Whatever nation you go to, whatever ethnic group, whatever minority speaking language you take the word of God to, they need to hear about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They need to hear about the one who came to deal with the man's common problem, sin. So whether you're born in middle Africa and skin as dark as night, or whether you're born in America or Russia or in South America or China or India, wherever you find a human being, the human condition is there. A common need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. The culture may be very different. The language can be very different. All the other things can be different. But in Jesus Christ, we have that need of Him. Because the heart is exactly the same. Rebellious against God. Lost to God. And remember God created mankind that we might honor him and exalt him and worship him. Something in our sin we fail to do. So the common need of every human being is to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And at this season of the year when we think our minds are drawn so much to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember that every single person in the world needs to hear of his coming into the world. They need to hear more than that. They need to hear of his death on the cross. They need to hear of his resurrection. And they need to hear that he died for them. In fact, the knowledge that we are one race the knowledge that I have a brother or sister in some little country in the midst of Africa or in some of the far-flung parts of Port of Brazil or Argentina or wherever should cause me to desire that they would hear the message of Jesus Christ. Because without him they are lost. Without hearing the message they will have no idea that a Savior came to bring them to God. So there is a common need in all our hearts and in the heart of every single human being. 
And so when Mary bore the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was born in such humble circumstances, he was born for every single person in the world, that whosoever, in whatever language, from whatever background or culture, could call upon his name and be saved. And for that, we must follow the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And friends, it's your responsibility and mine to try to do that. We can't physically go, so what should we do? We should pray for those who do go. We should pray for those who are translating the word into those languages. We should pray and give to help that those, that word might be given to our brothers and sisters who are lost are in the corners of this globe and need to know Jesus. So as we read this chapter of the nations, it sets before us the singularity of the human race. We are all one. So don't look down your nose at someone. Don't criticize or look upon someone as less of a human being. Friends, you're a sinner. So are they. You just happen to be saved by God's grace if you have come to faith. Oh, they need to hear that message. Let us rejoice in the diversity of the world. And let us pray and work that the message that is needed in every human heart may go out into all the world. And that we would see people of every tongue confessing Jesus as Lord, so that when we meet them, we can embrace them, not just as brothers because of we're one race, but because we're one in Christ. Amen.